Have you ever uh, been around people who claim to know the truth? Who, who know a lot about a subject? Who say they are supposedly expertise in that subject? And they say they know a lot about that subject. But when you go to ask them a question, they are trying to uh, fake their way or fib their way uh, through the question, through the situation. They'll try and come across as knowing something when they really don't know it. Have you ever encountered people like that? I know I have. I've encountered people where if you try to ask them a question about something where there's so supposedly an expertise and they're trying to uh, fib their way through it, they're trying to tell you a lie and make it appear like they're telling you the truth. And trying to make it appear like they really know something when they really don't know it. Well, today we're going to be looking at a similar situation. Whereas um, the king uh, had a dream. And in that dream, the rulers were going to go, and they were going, I mean, he, his top men were going to interpret the dream. But they couldn't interpret the dream. And then, therefore, Daniel comes in and asks the king for grace so that he might interpret the dream. And that's where we are today. We're here today to talk about the truth, and that the truth can only be told by those who really know the, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, we're going to be looking at three specific points. We're going to look at actually Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. So why don't you follow me uh, here, and then we'll get into the message. Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled in his sleep, and his sleep left him. There the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. The king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied to the Chaldeans, The command for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and interpretation, you will be torn from limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubble, a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from the gift, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, declare the, to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell the dream to the servants, and we will declare the, the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain you are bargaining for time, inasmuch as you have said that the command from me is firm. That if you do not make the dream known to me, this is the only decree for you. For you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words with me until 
the situation has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare to me an interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, This is not, there is not a man on earth who could declare the matter to the king, inasmuch as the king or ruler has ever had asked anything like this of magicians or conjurers or Chaldeans. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there is no one else who could declare it except to the king, except gods whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Because of this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the, the captain of the king's bodyguard, and a, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said in a, in, to Arioch, the king's commander, "What for? What reason is there? Is a decree from the king so urgent?" Then Arioch informed Daniel about the about the matter. So Daniel went to uh, went in and requested of the king that he would uh, give him time in order that they might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to the house and informed his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter, so that so they might request compassion from the, the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise wise men of Babylon. And may God add the blessing to the reading of his word. We're going to be looking at three points here today. Uh, number one, uh, the humanly impossible request. Secondly, uh, the king's order and Daniel's request. And then uh, thirdly, the request for compassion from God. So let's look at Let's look at um, the the uh, let's look at our first um, point here. It's in, this is verses one through eleven. The humanly impossible request. The humanly impossible request. God only God can give the ultimate answer to things. Who is in control of all things? God. Who knows the answers to all things? God. It's, was all, I've heard this years ago, it may have changed, but it says that uh, doctors and medicine know only about 20% of how the body works. They only know about 20% of how it works. It may have gone up a little bit more since then, this was some years ago. But who ultimately knows how things work? How things are going, how things are to proceed, what is going to happen. God. So, and that's the premise of what we're going to be looking looking at today. God ultimately knows all things and can interpret and understand all things. Um, now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Now this is the second year. So, um, the way they the way the, the kings in those kingdoms back then had set up their reigns and the reigns, in other words, the reign as a king, they had set them up 
they, their timelines and their years were uh, different from the way we would do it. So it's, um, this is actually the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. So we see here um, uh, that um, it's a, a specific timeline for when things would happen. So this is the beginning of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. This was the beginning of when he was going to reign. And remember, we talked about Nebuchadnezzar. Um, we talked about his background and how he was just a, he was a very strict, he was a very um, demanding, he was a very um, get his way. If he doesn't get his way, then things are going to, bad things are going to happen for those who don't follow what he says. So, um, so he had a dream. And his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. So he had dreams. How many of us have dreams? We have dreams all the time. They, they say that we have multiple dreams throughout the night. Um, when we sleep. The only time that I ever remember a dream is when I wake up right after. I know that for me, and I, I remember that. And but otherwise, I won't even know that I had specific dreams about different things. So the dreams are sometimes important, and um, and and some and they have significance sometimes. Sometimes the dreams don't mean anything. But in this particular case, here is a king. A heathen king, that meaning that he doesn't, know, he does not know the God of Israel, had a dream. Now, obviously, he remembered this particular dream. He remembered what this dream happened in this dream, and he was looking for the interpretation. Now he's king, he's in, he's in complete control, and he's got, excuse me, he's got things where he wants to know the answer. But how could someone else interpret a dream that you have? That's pretty, that seems pretty impossible, wouldn't it? How could you know what someone else has experienced? How could you read someone else's mind? How could you read someone else's thoughts? How could you read, how could you do that? Because humanly, because that's impossible. Unless the dream came from God. So let's go on here. It says, so he, it was, and the dream was so significant to the king that he couldn't sleep after that. It like woke him up. And he couldn't go back to sleep because what he saw in the dream troubled him that bad. And have we ever had dreams like that where what we saw in our dream troubled us and we couldn't go back to sleep? I've had dreams like that. And we just didn't understand what was going on in that dream. Well, this was the case for this king. So he being the king and he being in control, he... Him doing whatever he wants, he can say whatever he wants, 
people have to listen and people have to bow down to what he says because he's in control. So the king gave orders to the magicians and the conjurers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans to tell the dream. So they came and stood before the king. So these are all the wise men, these are all the magicians, these are all the, the people of the kingdom that are should know about dreams. Because if you look at that culture in Middle East and an Eastern culture, because this would be considered like the East. In Eastern culture, they took a lot of stock in dreams. In other words, there was a the whole thing there where you had a dream that um, you would just get the wise men, or you get these conjurers, or you get these um, these magicians that would be able to in interpret the dream for you, and then you would be able to um, maybe understand the dream. So that was the practice. So that's what the king did. He had a dream. He told by so he gets all his magicians, the people who should know how to interpret this dream, he gets them to come before him and stand before him. These are people that should know, right? Okay, so these are the people that are trained to do this. These people have an expertise in this. These are the people that know what they're supposed to be doing, know how to be able to interpret a dream. And they maybe have done this before. So the king has... Um, called on them before. Okay, so, but the reality is, if you look at this, so if these guys uh, should be known for this, and they should be able to do this, then how are they going to, and they should be able to interpret the dream, then how are they going to be able to, to do that if they've never done it before? Well, think about it. They've done it before, but have they really done it before? Have they, or have they came up with where a king would tell them, well, tell us the dream and then we'll, we'll, tell, you the, we'll tell you the interpretation. And what they do is that they, they ask for the interpretation of the dream. I mean, they ask the king to tell the dream, but then they're going to make up an interpretation. So that's what they did before, and so we'll just do it again. In other words, they'll make something up and lie to the king. And that's what they were expecting to do coming in here. So that's the background. So here's these magicians coming in, and they're expecting to tell the king... Uh, the king to tell them the dream so they can come up with a false interpretation because in reality there's no one that could tell what, it, uh, what the reality of what a real dream is. So let's go on here. And it goes on and says, um, uh, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants and we will declare an interpretation. In other words, they were looking for a way for the king to, to tell them the dream and they can make up their answer. And it goes on here. But the king replied to Chaldeans, the command is firm. The king knew that they were up to something. The king was wise. You ever know when someone's trying to tell you a lie or someone's trying to misinterpret something or misrepresent something and you can tell? Well, the king, the king understood that and the king knew that he, they were trying to tell him a lie. 
because if they really were these special people that should be able to interpret dreams and know dreams, they should be able to tell him the dream and what he had. Um, and they weren't expecting that. They weren't expecting the king to tell them. And so here they, they try again. So look in verse, um, in verse 6. But you declare the dream and its interpretation. You receive from me um, gifts and honors. Um, and, uh, and the king will give them uh, blessings and, and, and great gifts. But if he doesn't, if you look back in verse um, uh, verse 5, he's going to tear from limb from limb. He's going to tear their houses down and make their houses a rubble heap. So here you have the option. You can either interpret the dream and get blessings, or you can try and stall and try and tell them a lie and end up getting torn limb from limb and getting your house and your family uh, torn down and put into a rubble heap. And the king had the power to be able to do that, didn't he? Because he's a king and he's in control. So, how do you think these magicians and these uh, wise people were? What do, you, what do you think they were thinking? They're thinking, well, we better come up with an answer. We better figure this out. And so they try to uh, plead for a second chance. Uh, and verse 8, and the king replied, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time inasmuch as that you do not um, so, um, have seen the command for me is firm. So they asked him a second time, but they knew, the king knew and understood that they were bargaining for a second chance. And they were looking to lie to him, and the king knew that they were looking to lie to him. And the king got really angry with them. The king got really upset with them because they were trying to deceive him, and he knew that. Have you ever had people like that who tried to deceive you, and you knew that? Did that make you really upset? They tried to tell you something that wasn't true, and you knew that they were trying to tell you something that, was, that wasn't true? And tried to convince you and make you believe that it was true? I mean, that's happened to me. And that's happened to, I'm sure it happened to you or to others that you know. And, then, and it says in verse 9, it says, If you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have to agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. So the king was the king knew the king was going to tell them was telling them that if you don't tell me the dream this is what's going to happen to you and it's firm I'm not going to change my mind if you can't interpret the dream for me I know that you're lying and you're speaking corrupt words and you're not speaking the truth and what I said was going to happen will happen you'll be torn limb from limb and your houses will be uh, torn to the ground and, and raised to the ground. But he goes on here, a Chaldeans, the king said, there is not a man on earth who can declare the matter for the king. And what they said is true. They said there isn't a man, but yet they didn't know about Daniel, did they? But they were speaking prophetically. They weren't, they didn't real. They didn't know about Daniel and what God had gifted Daniel. 
Often when people speak, when people are in the world, the people who know not God speak, but they speak rashly. They just speak of things they know not of. And often they declare things that they don't have any understanding of. But also, it, it says, um, there's no king, a ruler, has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. So they were trying to get out of this, and they admitted that there's no one on earth, at least what they knew of, that could do this. In other words, there's no precedent set on earth where someone could interpret the dream. I mean, could tell them the dream and interpret it. They could, they could try and fake interpreting the dream, but there was no one that had ever done that. So God was in control here because... Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult in verse 11. And there is no one who could declare it to the king except the gods whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. And what they said was, that what they believed was, is that there is no one here on earth that can, can interpret the dream, can tell me the dream and interpret it, that's here on earth. That could understand it. In other words, there's no one who could read your dreams unless they're in heaven, and then unless they know, um, unless they're from God, and they or the gods that they believe in, because they didn't believe in the one true God. Unless they believe, unless they heard from Him, they're not, no one's going to be able to do this. And how could they communicate with you? How could the gods up in heaven, or where their gods and their idea of God? interpret and tell you what the dream is. So therefore they were saying this thing was impossible. If it's impossible, number one, if the dream is not from God. In this case, however, the dream is from God. So it's not impossible. And number two is, is that if the people, it's not impossible if there's people that are connected with God who can know and speak with God for God to speak to them the dream and the interpretation of the dream. So, if God is the author of the dream and there's people out there that are connected with God who can communicate with God and hear from God, God can communicate the dream to them, can he? Because there's a relationship there, because there's communication there. So, therefore, it's impossible with man. And these conjurers and these magicians stated it true. It's impossible with man here on earth. But it's not impossible with someone who is a nose to God of heaven, who dwells here on earth. That can give that interpretation. And do you understand the difference? With the world, there are things that are impossible, that you cannot understand. There are things in the world that you cannot comprehend. There are things in the world that you can't do. There are things in the world you can't understand or believe unless you are connected with the God of heaven. Unless you're in tune with him, unless you're a spirit man, a 
person inside of you is connected with him for him for you to have a relationship with him where he communicates with you and you communicate with him and you hear and understand what he's saying what he's doing and how he acts and that's the premise of this whole point here these magicians had no relationship with God they didn't know God at all they had no clue at all. Nebuchadnezzar didn't have a clue. That's why he had asked for someone to interpret the dream. To tell him the dream and interpret it. So, the point being is, is that we as God's people can do the impossible where the world cannot do it. Why? Because we are, we have a relationship with God in heaven, don't we? We have a relationship with Him where He communicates with us. Where He walks with it. He, as, his, as the hymn goes, He walks with me and talks with me and, and along life's narrow way. And think about that. He does. So that when He walks with me and He talks with me, what is he doing? He's revealing those things that are impossible for man here on earth who does knows not him to be able to hear from him and be able to uh, share those things with him so that you can understand and you can hear and know. God has shown me impossible things. God has shown me and spoken to me impossible things that man could not have known. I'm sure God has shown us and revealed to us the same thing, folks. If you're a child of God and you have a relationship with God, God speaks with you and He walks with you and talks with you along those life's narrow ways. And if you're sensitive to His Spirit, you're hearing what He's saying. Now the danger here, though, is, and this is what we need to be careful of, if we turn, if we ignore what God is saying and if we ignore our relationship with Him, his voice becomes a little, becomes a whisper. Becomes a little bit louder. And we can't, and the more we turn it off, the harder it is to hear. Until the point where we don't hear at all. We don't experience him um, the way we should. And we don't know what he's saying or what he's doing because we've turned it off. We turned his voice off. We turned his we turned away from his presence and we haven't heard him. So that's that's the warning, is that keep your heart tender, keep your heart open, keep your heart sincere in your relationship with God. So that you can hear clearly what he's saying. So you can hear what his voice is saying. You can experience his presence. You can experience him walking with you. You can experience it with him talking to you along life's narrow ways. And we're in a narrow way right now, aren't we? In this world. We are. Because it's difficult and it's challenging. It's really hard. It really is during these times. Unprecedented times. But he's still walking and talking with us. If we would, if we would but listen. If we would walk with him hand in hand. Hold his hand. Like our daddy holding our dad's hand. When we were little, I used to, my kids used to hold my hand. And we'd walk with them. 
But that's the same way our daddy wants to do with us. Hold our hand and walk with us and talk with us. Along those difficult times, along those ways. So we can hear him. So, let's go on here. Let's go to our second point here. Even the best cannot understand what God's doing, but those who walk with God can. The, the king's order and Daniel's request. So we see here that even the most wise try to understand, but can't without wisdom from God. And you can't fake the funk. If you try and give someone an answer, you can try and fake it, but ultimately you're going to be found out. In this case, these conjurers were found out. These magicians were found out. And so therefore, um, this is the result of the king's decision. Because these guys conspired together to lie to the king, and the king knew it. Because of this, look at verse 12. Because of this, in other words, because of their lying, because of their conspiracy to lie to the king, the king got really upset and became indignant and very furious. In other words, he was really angry. And you got angry, you get the king angry. And apparently this king was a really vicious, vicious, vicious person. In other words, he was going to do what he said he was going to do and he was going to hurt you if he didn't, if you... If you um, disrespected the king, if you lied to the king, if you didn't tell him the truth, then he was going to carry out what he said he was going to do. And so he was really upset here and gave orders to do what? Destroy who? All the wise men of Babylon. So who would that include? Who was a part of the wise men? Who, who was a part of the, the wise men in chapter 1? Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and who? Abednego. So they were a part of this. They were a part of the king's order. So, what would you do if that you knew that your life was in line to become destroyed? How would you react? Out of no reason, out of no thing that you have done, but because someone else did it, and now your life is on the line. What would you do? How would you feel about that? Let's look, let's look and see. So the decree went forth, verse 13, and the wise, men should, the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill him. So here they were. The, the decree went out. And they were looking for Daniel and his friends who were among the wise men of Babylon at that time. Remember, look at verse 1. They entered the king's presence. I mean, chapter 1, they entered the king's presence. And they were part of that whole group of people that the king consulted in matters of uh, wisdom and understanding and advice. 
because the king was really angry because of the, the other men that lied to the king about his shirt. I know that would be difficult for me. I know I'd be pretty scared. Have you been in a situation where you know your life's going to be taken? How would you react? How did Daniel react? Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Ariok. Did Daniel panic? Did Daniel uh, get anxiety? Did Daniel fear? Did Daniel try and wiggle his way out? Did Daniel try and lie? Daniel acted with discretion. Discretion. In other words, you act wisely. You respond wisely. You respond in a way that is discreet. You're not going to be arrogant. You're not going to look for a way out. You're not going to try and wiggle your way through this. You're not going to try and lie your way through it. You're not going to try and misinterpret your way through this. You use discretion. You use wisdom. You use discernment. Being able to discern means that the whole idea of being able to, to tell what is good as opposed to what is best. Be able to figure things out in a way that is a wise way you can respond. Where you can be able to say something in a way that is telling the truth, but it's in a wise way. It says, um, a harsh word um, stirs up anger, but a kind word pacifies wrath. In other words, the idea there is, is that when you speak, there's ways that you can speak. And there's ways that you can carry yourself in your, in your uh, demeanor, in your character, in the way you present yourself. That displays wisdom, that displays uh, discernment, that displays character, that displays discretion. You speak the way you're supposed to speak, and you speak wisely. You don't go in there arrogantly or, or deceitfully. You go in there seeking to tell the truth, but in a way that is presentable. In a way that you're not showing that you're not afraid. Showing that you're not fearful. Showing that you're, uh, you, you have an idea of how this is going to work. So, Daniel... Um, the captain of the king's bodyguard who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. Verse 15. He said to Ariok, the king's commander, For what reason is the decree for the king so urgent that Ariok informed Daniel about the matter? Daniel was unaware of the matter. In other words, he was unaware, of, apparently he was unaware that this matter had happened with the king. Why the king hadn't consulted him, we're, we, we, don't know, we don't know specifically why they didn't let Daniel know about the dream in the first place. But apparently he wasn't a part of those original men um, who, who tried to uh, tell the king uh, the, the interpretation of the dream. So Daniel wasn't aware of that. So the king was trying to get understanding 
uh, why, is it, why is this matter so urgent? Why is the king trying to kill us? Why is the king, why is he so upset at this moment? That's the sermon. Saying, well, find out what, well, what's really going on first. When you're in a situation and a circumstance and you just react without really knowing why you're reacting, that's foolishness. And so this is a part of that discretion and discernment. Discretion and discernment will ask in a calm tone, in a calm way, what's going on? Why is the matter so urgent? In other words, Daniel is trying to get an understanding of the situation and of the matter. He's trying to get an understanding of what's happening. So often, we don't... How do I say it? We get ourselves in hot water because we speak too quickly sometimes, and we, and we talk about situations that we don't know anything about without first asking some questions. And finding out what the truth is about what's really happening or what's really going on. And that's really, really, really important that we do that. I haven't always done that in the past. Um, and I got myself in, in trouble for that. But God has taught me some important lesson. It's important to find out the truth first before you react and before you figure things out. Find out what's really happening. Find out the truth. Listen to the truth. Hear what's going on so that you can uh, accurately understand the situation and better respond to the situation. If you don't know, if you just have hearsay, if you just hear gossip or you just hear situation, you need to go to the source. You need to understand what is really going on and what's really happening. Rather than hearing hearsay. Rather than not understanding completely what's going on, you need to know the truth. And so this is what Daniel did. What happened here? Daniel saying, "What? Why is this matter so urgent that the king is going is sending you out to kill all of us? What had, what would have happened if Daniel responded in another way? If Daniel responded arrogantly? If Daniel didn't ask questions? If Daniel and his friends um, just responded with an attitude, what would have happened? Or if Daniel conspired to lie, what would have happened? Daniel and his friends would have been what? Killed. And the same thing it is with us. When we conspire to not tell the truth, when we conspire to, to deceive, and we conspire to do things that are deceitful and underhanded, and um, that's when we get in trouble. But when we come together to know the truth, to know what's really happening, and committed and are committed to doing that which is right, that's when we get an understanding of things, and that's when things can go well for us. And that's what's so important, folks. It's so important for us as God's people. To be like Daniel in the fact that he was a man of character. And his friends were men of character. In that they wanted to know the truth. 
And in that, they were committed to doing the truth. And living the truth. And not doing things in a deceitful, underhanded, lying way. Because they're scared, or because they want to get something for themselves. Or because they're anxious. Be committed to do what? Be committed to tell the truth. Be committed to understand the truth. Be committed to know the truth. Even if the truth is uncomfortable. Right? Sometimes the truth is uncomfortable, isn't it? Sometimes the truth hurts. But in the end, the truth is what will set you free. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you know the truth, what? You will be. And the truth will do what? Will set you what? Free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Seek to know the truth. In other words, the right answer. But seek to do the truth. And to do that which is right. That's a hard message, folks. It's a hard message. But the reality is, is when you do that, that's when you're blessed. You're not going to hear from me in this pulpit. Because I'll have to stand before God. It says, let not many of you be teachers, for you'll be held more strictly accountable. Because if I don't tell the truth, if I don't tell what God is telling me to say, and I don't speak the truth and do the truth and live the truth, then I'm woe is me. Woe is me. And woe is us if we don't speak the truth and seek to know the truth and live the truth as God's representatives, God's people, as God's children. And that's what Daniel was committed to do. That's what Daniel was committed to do. And we need to be committed the same way. To know the truth, to seek the truth, not lies or gossip, but to know the truth, and then speak the truth and do the truth. And in the end, who's got our back when we do that? Who has our back in the end when we do that? He does. But when we lie, you can't expect God to have your back. You manipulate, you can't expect that. You can't expect that God's going to cover you up for your, for your lie if you continue to do that unless you repent. If you repent, then that's a different story. Then there's, then God can take care of you. But if it isn't no repentance, God can't protect you in the midst of your lying and your, and your deceit. Because then you're cutting off God off from protecting you. You're cutting God off from uh, doing those things which um, He wants to do and desires to do for you as a father does for his child. But let's go on here. So Dan, what did Daniel do? Verse 16. And this is really, really, really important. You've got to notice some things here. So Daniel went in and requested the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Now, mind you, that Daniel had not interpreted his dream before. At least we don't know that, uh, according to the, to the Bible path, according to Scripture. So, we do know that in verse, in chapter 1, it says that Daniel was given a gift. What? Of what, doing what? Interpreting dreams. If you look at chapter 1, you'll see that. So, Daniel, and I'm sure Daniel knew that, that God had given him that, that gift. 
but he had never done it before. So, what character did characteristic did Daniel need in order to go before the king? What did he display? Display faith. If you've never done something before, and you know that if you don't say the right thing or you don't do the right thing, your life could be on the line, and you go there and you go before the most powerful person there is, and you say, "King, well, what?" Um, impressed the king to give him time in order that he might do that. In other words. He was requesting of the king to give him some time to tell the interpretation of the dream. Daniel had to go in faith that God would do what? That the God of heaven, who gave the dream to the king, would reveal it to Daniel so that Daniel could reveal it to the king and spare his life and the lives of others. So it took faith there, didn't it? And sometimes, with the things of God, it takes faith to do what? To do the right thing. And to walk the way God, to walk the, to walk the way we know God, but how to walk. Because Daniel was really, Daniel was knowing that if I don't do this right, my life is gone and so are my friends' lives. But he was trusting in his God, and his God was God had his back. Because he was doing what? He was walking in the truth, wasn't he? He was doing the truth. He was doing that which God would have him to do. And he was following God, and as he followed God, God has his back. See, this is what faith says. Faith says, I'm going to do what I believe God knows me to do, tells me to do, and I'm going to trust him to give me the answer that I need. Even though I may not know it now, I'm trusting he's going to give it to me. When the time comes to have it, he's going to give it to me, and I'm going to be able to do that which he tells me to do. That's what faith says. Now, fear will tell you, now you better not. But Daniel trusted his God, and he walked in faith. Let's go on here as we finish up here. In verse 17, 18. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter. Isn't it important to have godly people in your life? People who are wise, people who are um, you know you can you can go to, you can talk with. It's important, and they don't. As far as what to do, and and, and um, friends, uh, there's the people that you can really trust, and in this case, Daniel was what he was with his friends. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and about the matter. So it's important. The principle here is, is that if you've got a situation that's going on, that you, there's strength in numbers. There's strength, um, there's counsel, there's wisdom in counsel. And you need that wisdom sometimes because you can't just think that you can do things on your own, that you have the corner, that you have the edge, that you have all the answers. We can't do that. That's why we need the body of Christ. That's why God gave us the body of Christ. So that we can have each other, so we can learn from each other, so we can uh, lean on each other, so we can have a dependence on, on each other. Yeah, do we, do we lean and depend on God? So God's my only um, source of strength. Yes, He is, ultimately. But you also need God, the body of Christ, as um, your source 
of uh, support and strength. That's why the God, God gave us for one another, didn't he? He did. So Daniel, what did Daniel do? Daniel went and he talked to his friends. And what did he do with his friends? And he asked, and so that they might, what? Request, verse 18, compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So what was he basically asking them to do? Let's pray together. Let's seek God for compassion and mercy. We have to. We have to. We have to. Because this is an urgent matter. Our lives are on the line. So, number one is, is that you need to you request the help of friends, and you need to get others with, to pray with you on the matter. Don't you? We just, there's no Lone Rangers in the body of Christ. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, didn't he? Even though they're fictional characters, he still had someone to help them. We have, need someone there with us, to be with us, to support us, to help pray with us. To pray along, a prayer warrior that's next to you. That says, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. I have, I have brothers in the Lord that I, I contact, that I, I know that will pray for me. I think that, that will help stand with me in prayer in, in urgent matters and in, in situations and circumstances. In times of difficulty, in times of hardship, I know there's brothers out there that will help do that with me. That's so important, folks, to have that. To know that they'll pray with you, and they'll stand together, arm in arm, praying. Maybe not literally arm in arm, but you understand what I'm saying. So they can pray. They can work through the matter. And then lastly, um, and then, um, so that Daniel um, request, com request compassion from the God of heaven concerning the mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Not only was Daniel concerned with his own life, was he? And his friends, but he was concerned about all the other individuals as well, even the bad, even the other conjurers who lied to the king. Because if Daniel told the truth, whose lives would be spared? The other wise men, wouldn't they? So Daniel was even concerned about uh, the other people who weren't even Christians. Who weren't even, oh, not Christians at the time, but the people who, did, who didn't know God. And sometimes we need to be concerned about others. Not only about our own need. It says, and, and do not be concerned, it says in, in the New Testament verse, it says, do, do not be concerned about your own needs, but also the needs of others. And it's so important that we do that. And be aware and concerned about others. So, in summation, in, remember that uh, only God can give us, the, when things come from Him like a dream here, only God can give you the interpretation. And only you can understand something when you have wisdom. And you have understanding because of your relationship with God. And when we come to God, we need to act what? We need to come to Him in truth. And when we present for God and we display for God, we need to do that in truth. We use to use discretion and wisdom. And in urgent matters, we need to have faith. In other words, because it's going to take faith to get us through. And we need others, and we need to pray with them, 
and we need to pray with others, and we need to be concerned about others as well. These are urgent times, folks. Let's pray. Let's seek to commit it to do what's right. God will give us the wisdom of what to do, and God will protect us and care for us and watch over us, and he'll watch over and take care of others as we do that as well. Amen? Well, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for your uh, word that brings life. Father, I um, uh, pray this prayer if you know not the Lord. Father, I don't know you, God, but I want to know you. I've sinned against you, God. I've hurt you. I've, I've, I've done things I ought not to have done. I've said things I ought not to have said. I've just sinned against you, God. And I ask that you would forgive me. That you would wash me with your blood, Jesus. And that you would completely wash me thoroughly. Um, I ask you into my life and receive you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. And for those of us who do know him, uh, Jesus, I ask that you would just please forgive me of my sin. Help me just to know you better. Help me to hear you clearer. Help me to do that which I know is to do is right. And help me just to walk with you and to walk uh, close to you with, my, with those who know you as well. Father, help me to do only what you can do um, in me, O oh God. Help me to do that, O oh God, and be obedient. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Father, we just give you uh, this day. Father, we ask that you be uh, uh, doing us, O oh God, your people, uh, your work, your holy work. And help us to believe you for great and mighty things. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. And let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Dismiss your people now with peace and with your joy. Um, and protect us, we pray, as we go throughout this day.